0: Welcome to The Star's Turn, Cosmos and Cards. I am your host, Jay. Thank you, as always, for being here. It's lovely to have you. I hope that... Oh, I was about to say I hope this podcast finds you well. As if all emails that start with, I hope this email finds you well, are not the most annoying emails. So never mind, scratch that. I do hope you are surviving eclipse season, that you are diving deep into Scorpio season, that you are staying cool during this Mars retrograde. I hope all of these lovely things for you and more. Before we dive into today's topic, I wanted to chat about two things rather briefly The first is kind of a follow-up to something that I mentioned in, I believe, the previous episode, just about how that Sun-Venus conjunction was a lot more profound and pronounced than I had anticipated it might be. And what I have learned since recording that episode is that it was the first time we had a Sun-Venus conjunction in the sign of Libra. Since I believe like the 19th century. So that's pretty big, right? Based on the way that Venus moves, we tend to get the Sun Venus conjunctions happening in the same signs of the zodiac for like a hundred years at a time. So the fact that it happened in Libra for the first time in so long, I think definitely has a lot to do with why it was so much more part of the story than I had realized. So if you felt that too, that's probably a reason uh, in years past around this time of year, we'd be getting them instead in Scorpio. So shifting from having them in a water sign to having them in an air sign is definitely, definitely a different energetic quality. So there's that. But then there's this other thing that I've been feeling for a while that I was like, I should talk about it on the show and see if anybody else is feeling this way. And I should have written it down when it first sort of started coming to me. But I know it's been a sense that I've had for about a month now. But it's just this sort of quiet sense that like something is coming it doesn't feel like an impending doom. It doesn't feel like I'm nervous. It just feels like something is on its way. There's just this energy that feels like it's kind of like it's calling for me to empty certain things out or clear space because something is on its way. It's hard to describe beyond that except for i i don't necessarily feel any joy or anxiety around it i just feel it so i don't know if it's a chart specific thing or if other people are feeling this way i would love to know i do kind of wonder if it has to do with eclipses maybe and eclipse season like i wonder if something will pop up Towards the end of this eclipse season but I would love to hear from you if you are also experiencing this so come and hang out on Instagram at the star's turn or at damn fine witch send me a DM if you like or wait for the post about this episode and get in touch speaking of eclipse season this episode is going to focus on the lunar eclipse that will kind of bring a culmination to eclipse season. That's the total lunar eclipse happening in Taurus on November eighth, and ooh, is this an intense eclipse? There is just there's so much going on with this eclipse, so there's lots to talk about. But first, I wanted to dial back and go over some eclipse basics. I did this as well a little bit in the Scorpio season episodes, so if there's any gaps in what I say here, you'll also want to go and check out that episode as well just to make sure your understanding is fairly rounded. So eclipses happen when a new or a full moon take place near one of the moon's nodes, and the strength of an eclipse depends on how far away the node is from the newer the full moon. So the Scorpio new moon eclipse, the Scorpio solar eclipse back in October was close enough to the node to be considered an eclipse, but not close enough to be considered a total eclipse of the heart, which this one is very, very close. It's within like, I think two or three degrees. So this is a total eclipse and that makes it that much more intense. Now, a lunar eclipse is when the moon moves into the Earth's shadow. And in general, eclipses alter the light available during new and full moons. So they create these kind of portals or tunnels or doors, whatever you want to call it, that open up access to things we wouldn't normally have access to. And that said, they also kind of block access to that which we're used to. So it can be a good time to keep yourself open to the unexpected or let yourself indulge in certain ways because whatever it is that's on offer might not be around forever. And in this way, eclipse season is a break from the regular rhythm and routine of the lunar cycle. And so that reflects back on our day-to-day life as well, right? So it's not a great time for our regular lunar rituals. The nodes tend to be very agitating and disruptive and destabilizing, each in kind of their own way. We talked about how the south node disrupts and agitates when we talked about the solar eclipse, but this eclipse is happening near the north node. And the north node is this very hungry, And hard to satisfy energy. It wants more, it craves more. And I think cravings can tell us something about what's happening beneath the surface if we really tune in and listen to what's going on beneath the sort of general surface of the craving. But with the North Node, we need to be careful about how we satiate that craving. So, you know, sometimes. A new obsession is an okay thing to kind of, quote unquote, take advantage of, but we can also exercise some caution. Like, yes, I did just say we should entertain the things that have suddenly caught our attention because we might not always have access to them. But if we know ahead of time that we need to prepare ourselves to kind of limit the intake or the indulgence or whatever it might be, I think we can be better prepared to not only take advantage of what's on offer, but not slip into overdoing it. And when we're talking about Taurus, because this is where this lunar eclipse is taking place, we can be overdoing it in terms of food, possessions, nature, sensual pleasures. And we just have to remember to say that enough is enough at some point, right? But in following those cravings and following those new obsessions, I think we can dig a little bit deeper into okay, that craving came from a lack of this. How do I actually fill that void? It's probably not with another online purchase or slice of cake, though those will be very enjoyable and like, fuck it, why not? But long term, filling it with something more sustainable is definitely ideal and you know especially considering this is a full moon already so it's already a time in the lunar cycle when things are dramatic and intense and the energies are heightened and then we slap an eclipse on top of all that so it's really big and then on top of all of that venus uranus mercury mars and saturn are all a part of this eclipse story in one way or another. So let's get into all of that. Now, firstly, Venus, the ruler of this eclipse, right, because it's the ruler of Taurus, so therefore it's the ruler of this eclipse, is still in Scorpio, of course, and it's just a few degrees ahead of the sun. So this is not an easy sign for Venus. She's in what's known as her exile or her detriment which, you know, bare bones basically means that she's just not super well resourced and can't express herself in the ways that she really wants to or um, as best as possible. So the her output is a little bit skewed by virtue of being in Scorpio. And that's not to say that it's a bad placement. She's just expressing herself differently, not not in the ideal Venus way. But on top of this, she's also in a position that's called combust the sun. And it's because she's so close to the sun and she's not in that coveted Kazimi position, which is exactly conjunct the sun, but she's just really close to it. And so she's hidden. And this actually makes her condition that much more challenging because she's hidden, right? And so I think that means that secrets and hidden things. And perhaps the revelation of those secrets is definitely a possibility. And this could be around relationships, you know, Venus type topics, or it could have something to do with the Scorpio and Taurus house topics in your own chart. Now, on the same day as this eclipse, there is a Mercury Kazemi in Scorpio. So again, a Mercury conjunct the sun in Scorpio, which speaks, I think, even more to becoming aware of something that was once hidden. We've talked about the Kazemi aspect before, where whenever a planet meets up with the sun, it's in this privileged position where it can really gain some insight. It can really kind of have a breakthrough on something because it's getting this Wisdom from the sun. So, yeah, becoming aware of something that was once hidden, gaining some kind of insight. And I think because this is happening alongside the co presence of the south node, remember, um, the sun, Mercury, Venus, and the south node are all in Scorpio. So, it's possible that any kind of insight or revelation will be connected to something from our past. Something that's ready to be brought forward, to be healed, to be integrated. And because Mercury is in a water sign, these insights or bits of information may actually come to us through kind of a lived experience or simply something we're feeling quite deeply. It's like getting messages through the intuitive sense or through your gut feeling about something rather than obtaining some sort of data. And I guess it is data, but I'm thinking more like it's not like a numerical or um, some sort of like facts and figures type data. It's like you get that insight through the feeling that you're getting. Now, Mercury will also be forming an opposition with Uranus in Taurus, which means Uranus will also be very close to the moon when the eclipse takes place. Uranus is also Or Uranus can also be very disruptive and destabilizing. It tends to bring about the unexpected. It can be shocking and surprising. If you listened to an earlier episode about the triple conjunction in Taurus back in July, you might recall me speaking about Uranus being an agent of chaos and change and freedom, and that sometimes we need this energy to kind of swoop in and bring things out of left field so we can see something from a different angle. So we can have a kind of breakthrough and then break free from whatever has been limiting or confining us, which all sounds very liberating, right? And it totally can be, but it might also be a lot to process with everything else feeding into this eclipse. Now with Venus, the sun, and Mercury all in Scorpio, opposing Uranus and the moon in Taurus, it does really feel like we're navigating opposing views, priorities, feelings, and emotions. There does seem to be an energy of having to navigate the divide between our needs and somebody else's needs, or even our needs and the collective needs you know, when we have the sun and the moon opposing each other, sometimes the sun can represent leaders and the moon can represent the collective in a sense. And so it can represent that kind of opposition. It could be, you know, navigating the differences between what our thinking mind wants and what our intuitive mind wants. Regardless, it just feels that because there's so much happening in these opposing signs, learning to or figuring out ways to narrow the gap might be really helpful. Taurus energy often seeks things like security, stability, nourishment, and pleasure, but it seems like this might not be on offer in the ways that we're used to. and. We may already be familiar with this, given the presence of Uranus in Taurus, which has been there for a few years now, and that's been shaking shit up since it moved in. But again, this full moon and this eclipse just kind of brings things to a real peak point. That's kind of what eclipses and just, you know, even regular full moons can represent peak points, but it's that much more. Profound and emphasized when it's also an eclipse, and then finally, Saturn, which is over at eighteen degrees of Aquarius, is squaring off with the whole gang and I guess I didn't say this, but you know the the eclipse is taking place at sixteen degrees Taurus, so we'll have the sun over at sixteen degrees of Scorpio, the moon at sixteen degrees of Taurus. And then Mercury is making those aspects with the sun and Uranus at 16 degrees as well. And Venus, you know, is just a little bit ahead of the game at 18. She's just coming out of a square with Saturn. And of course, Saturn also down at 18. So everything is really close to each other and kind of just, you know, Saturn being there squaring off with the whole gang just adds more tension and friction and, kind of increases the need for some kind of adjustment to be made. So my advice for this eclipse, should you be interested in it, is to make space, make space, make space. Make space for rest, for having to pivot at the last minute, for making sure you understand either yourself or someone else before you move forward with something. And for processing any of that old shit or previously hidden revelations that are coming to light, making space in your day, in the 24 hours that lead up to it and the 24 hours that follow to deal with whatever arises. And if it's really nothing except for just a bit of exhaustion, which is totally possible, then you have space for rest you know especially if you have planets or points that are within that 16 to 18 degree sphere especially in Taurus especially in Scorpio but Leo Aquarius that's also going to be really quite intense um please make space for yourself to rest wherever possible and i think it might also be really helpful to find ways of releasing the energy that's possibly bubbling and building up so physical activity, cooking, being in nature. Those are all really great sort of Taurus outlet type things. But then we can also, you know, have a good cry. We can remember to stay hydrated and we can even just like do a physical purging of material stuff that would be helpful for probably the Scorpio side of things as well as the Taurus side of things. And now I just briefly want to talk about the six of cups and the six of pentacles. So the six of cups corresponds with 18 degrees of Scorpio or sorry, 16 degrees of Scorpio and the six of pentacles corresponds with 16 degrees of Taurus. And it would actually be 18 degrees as well as that middle 10 degrees of both signs that these cards correspond with. And so the reason, that's the reason why I chose to focus on them is because they do correspond with those areas of each zodiac sign. And when I was looking at them, I was trying to think of ways that they either relate so that we can, you know, dive deeper into the themes of the eclipse to maybe understand them from a different perspective and maybe what else they can tell us about how to navigate the energies. So with the Six of Cups, we often talk about a time of reconnection, a nostalgic energy, or perhaps a kind of craving for a particular feeling. Like we want to go back to a time when we felt joy or peace or excitement or safety or whatever it might be if we can follow the trails of these memories or these cravings maybe we can figure out what's ready to come up and out in terms of healing something from the past and so this is kind of what i was talking about with those cravings from the north node and you know that feeling of lack right now can maybe point towards where there's a need for something more sustainable in our current lives And I chose to look at the wild unknown deck while meditating kind of on these cards. And the six of cups in the wild unknown is a tree where you can see its root system. And it's almost like a, it's kind of like a mirrored image or a reflection. Like the tree is the, the, the tree that we would see normally every day in life. Walking around is kind of most of the card, but then the bottom half of the card is this beautiful, colorful root system, and it's it's the only color in the card, in fact, because of course my eye is immediately drawn to that colorful part of the card, and it makes me think of the past and our foundations and our more internal landscapes, and maybe it's about you know making peace with certain aspects of that or just allowing ourselves to have space for gratitude for what came before. But there's definitely something about the vibrancy of those roots that speaks to allowing that past stuff or that deep internal stuff to really light the way. And so maybe the craving has to do with, yeah, something from the past that used to really bring us joy, that used to really light us up. And maybe it's time to rediscover that. And if it's Something that used to be more part of our lives. Why isn't it more a part of our lives right now? Why was it lost or why was it put on the back burner or, you know, was it consciously put aside, but now it's a good time to bring it back? Things like that. And then with the Six of Pentacles, my take on this card is that it's all about energy exchange and it invites us to kind of examine who and what we give our energy to and why. And also, how do we get energized? Who and what do we allow to energize us and why? So I also spoke to this idea that we might be reaching out for something that's normally there and it's not showing up in the way that we might hope or it's not showing up at all. And so if we are reaching out for a kind of support and it's not coming, we can understand that yes, it might be temporary because of the eclipse season but it might also help us to see, you know, are we too reliant on this support? Do we need other systems of support? And how do we show up when support is called for from others? And also in terms of support or the ways in which we share our energy, are we doing so in ways that are actually supportive? Like, are we giving someone or something what it truly needs? Or are we just offering what we think is needed? Right? And vice versa. Are people showing up for us in the ways that we truly need them to? And if not, is it because we need to be more forthcoming about our needs? Or have we shared it and it's just not showing up in the way that we need it? So I think both of these cards really speak to the north node side of things and the Taurus side of things in an interesting way. These cravings, these calls for support or sharing of resources or energy or something in that way. And it's our chance to really examine those things and to use the kind of lack of something to examine okay, how do I actually, you know, fill that in a sustainable way? And how do I change the energy exchange here to better reflect what's needed in the future to make things more sustainable or to make things more beneficial? And of course, you know, I'm going to bring up my new favorite book, Tarot for Change by Jessica Door, which I highly, highly recommend. This book has been Changing the way that I see tarot. It's been incredible to pull a card, scroll to the part of the book where she talks about that card, and have at least part of her description be so incredibly relevant to the present moment. This book found me at the exact time that it was supposed to. It's been a very magical relationship. And I'm so glad that I very randomly put it on hold at my library and thought, okay, yeah, sure, I'll check it out. It became available before it was supposed to. And I was able to pick it up early. And like it was just meant to be here for, you know, these episodes and for these readings that I've been doing. And I'm definitely going to pick it up and add it to my own collection. It's so nourishing. Let me know if you've read it or if you're going to pick it up. I highly recommend, obviously. But I want to read just a a quick paragraph here. It's in the entry on the Six of Pentacles, but it felt really appropriate for both sixes and for the themes of sort of the past and healing and sort of the Scorpio-Taurus axis of it all. So here we go. When we don't let ourselves be known, we make ourselves untouchable by those we care for. But it is two-way, dynamic, heart-to-heart touch that makes deep healing possible. After all, it was in deep connection that our oldest injuries were sustained, and so perhaps it is in deep connection that the roots of such wounds might be properly treated. And it's really sort of that last bit that spoke to me, this idea of like, like treating like, I suppose, because yes. Yes. We can absolutely open ourselves up to pain and heartbreak and loss and all of the tough stuff by being vulnerable. But I really do think it's only in being vulnerable again that we're able to heal in any kind of meaningful way. And I think anytime we talk about eclipses, there's a lot of healing involved, particularly because of the South Node's presence. The the South Node is all about emptying out and releasing and clearing. But as I was sitting down to think about this eclipse, I think it's true of the North Node too, because of this craving and this wanting of more, more, more that comes up with the North Node. And it is a temporary thing. The nodes move on after 18 months and eclipse season is, you know, twice a year just for a couple of weeks every time. And so that's when the energy really comes to a head. But I think it's so excellent for really pointing us towards, like, okay, this is a real lack. And this is how I need to actually create abundance here moving forward. But we, I think we really only figure these things out by being brutally honest sometimes with ourselves and being vulnerable. And I think it was also because of all of this opposing energy, like, you know, full moon is one thing but then all of these planets in Scorpio facing off all of these planets in Taurus the relational aspect feels really big to me and especially with Venus as the ruler of the eclipse the, the relational dynamic feels so important and so I don't know just being willing to be open and honest and raw and vulnerable yes, will bring those heartbreaks sometimes, but can also just bring us so close to somebody else, can bring us better chances at healing. And it just feels more authentic, I think. So hopefully all of that made sense. I feel maybe that got a little meandering at the end, but maybe that's what happens in eclipse season. Usually I'm fairly like Usually I can sit down and record a podcast. I've been doing this for years and years and years, but I will tell you a little behind the scenes, this took me way longer to record than usual because I'm just, I guess I'm feeling that chaos of eclipse season. And you know, we also do have Mars retrograde in Gemini, which let me tack on one final thought here that I didn't really bring up in the Mars retrograde episode, but Gemini is very much about social media and kind of like social networking and communication and all of that kind of thing. And so I did talk about, you know, like watching our words and being mindful of the intention and impact with our words, but also just like technology and social media and all of that stuff, like mishaps and misunderstandings and Mishaps and misunderstandings that are less like trickster energy, like a regular Mercury retrograde, but more like maybe really painful, maybe um really scattered. So I think that's what I've been experiencing today while recording this. And so I'm gonna end it here. I hope that this provided some helpful um insight into the lunar eclipse in Taurus on November 8th. I'm wishing you all the easiest time with it but whatever comes up we can navigate it we've been through eclipses before we got this one look to your Taurus and Scorpio houses as always consider what themes it's bringing up you know we're already we are halfway through the node cycle through Taurus and Scorpio so it is also not anything new but it is doubling down on themes that we've been working with and it is kind of you know we're getting to the middle of where we are we're at the middle of the story so it is saying like hey you know we should have already maybe learned something we should be starting to put something into action and then we'll talk about what it might mean when we get to the end of the Scorpio and Taurus eclipses next year we will talk before then of course I'll have another episode out in a couple of weeks You can always come and hang out with me on Instagram at the stars turn or at damn fine witch. And until we chat again, I'll catch you in the cosmos.